Out of the book of Ephesians, we've read earlier, I'll read from the English Standard Version. And the words gained as he writes to the church at Ephesus. And writing to them, he expresses his deep gratefulness to God for his grace, for permitting him to be the deliverer of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And he says this in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister, According to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me. Though I am very least of all the saints, grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose 
that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Lord Jesus, now, in this place, in this year, as we continue to trust and believe you, O oh God, and to receive, accept, and discover that peace which you give, not as the world gives, but your peace, your perfect peace. Oh, God, we thank you that, God, you're able to penetrate even the deepest of chaotic moments and grant us, oh, God, the stillness, the calmness that comes even through your word. So speak to our hearts today, Lord. Help us to understand. And as you have caused even the people in the days of the writing of Paul, to understand the uniqueness we have as a body constructed, built together by your love and your purpose. Help us, God, to learn how to relate, to respect, and to love one another, and to live in peace. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. I speak today uh, the perfect peace of God. God has a plan for your life. The perfect peace of God. God has a plan for your life. It's so interesting that one of the greatest disturbers of the peace of the people of God, Saul, who sought to destroy anything that resembled a follower of Christ, who in everything that he did tried to disrupt the purpose of God. Somehow make it so that whatever it is that the Lord had intended would not come into fruition. One who fought so hard against the people of God that when they heard of the fact that he had been converted, many did not even believe this Saul tormentor, the persecutor of those of us who call and believe in the name of Christ is now showing up as a spokesman, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very difficult for them to grasp this, but look how God works. No matter what your life path might have been initially, 
when the grace of God runs into your life, he is able to turn around that which looks like a total mess into that which can give and bring him glory. Here, Paul, formerly known as Saul, persecutor, now speaks of a unification of those who were at odds with each other to the Gentiles, those Greeks, those others who had no dealings with some others, who found themselves elitist and separate. But now he writes to the Gentiles and starts with these wonderful words. So then, you are no longer strangers or aliens. Oh, let me just pause there for a minute to hear this kind of good news with those who thought they were left out on the outskirts, now have writing to them. One of the abusers of the church and of the Christian to come and say to Gentiles now, Gentiles and Jews and all the rest of us, we are now have been repurposed by God into one body. We are no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens, but we are one in Christ Jesus. We are one through Christ Jesus. I write this with the joy of understanding. That it was not on the basis of my study, not on the basis of what I made of myself, not on the basis of where or who I was born with and what family not on any basis of where I served and positions I had, even with the councils in past, not on those bases alone, but on the very fact that God had a purpose for my life and he has privileged me to preach the gospel. My standing here, you sitting here, is not anything on the basis of what you deserved or what you earned, it is a privilege. So every time we walk into the house of God, we do not walk here with our heads up all proud, but we walk believing God had it not been for you who found me, who called me, who drew me, I would not have been able to enter into this place, but it is a privilege. My being saved is a privilege. Whatever God has given me is a privilege. All the things that I might have been blessed, it's, it's a privilege because it was God's purpose. It was God's plan for my life and for your life. You being here today, it's a privilege and it's in God's plan. 
had not God purposed and planned for you, you would not have stepped into these doors today. But somewhere, somehow, in the depths of your soul, you found the grace of God drawing you into a place and drawing you into a relationship that you could not have started on your own because it is not by my seeking after him. He found me, as the songwriter put it, long before I heard, long before my sinful heart was stirred. But when I took him, when I took him at his word, forgiven, he lifted. So my ministry, he can reflect. It's a privilege. It's a service to God. I'm sitting here, Lord, and nobody knows you like God knows. Nobody knows what you were before you got here. Nobody was privileged to all of your secret conversations. No one saw you when no one else saw you. No one knew the depths of who you were, even to your thought, like God. Because even if you didn't say it out loud, God listens to thought. That's why one of the psalmists could say, Lord, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot contain it. Matter of fact, it scares me to think that there is nothing I could do, no place I could be, no thought I could have that you have not already heard it, seen it already. But in spite of what you heard, in spite of what you saw, you still loved me to life. You drew me out of my mess and cleaned me up and you blessed me. So that's why Paul could write and say, Gentiles, I, I know church folk don't feel too good about you. Church folk can get stuck on their own righteousness. So stuck that they forget about the fact that had it not been for the grace of God, they would have never even stepped in here. But God, who's rich in mercy, while we were yet dead, he said early in chapter 2, he found us and he drew us in by his loving grace. By grace. We are saved, not by our own might, not by our own ingenuity, not by our own thought, our strength of intelligence. It is by the love and the grace of God. Though I am least deserving of all God's people, he graciously, Gave me privilege.
How many know there's certain things you get that you know you didn't deserve? Ah, uh, but you may say, but I, I did work for it. No, you didn't. There is no work that merits anything from God. Because it's not about how much work you put in. It's how humble and submissive you are to the work of God. For if it were by your works, some of us would mess up, miss out. But it was God's grace that brought us. Oh, now, I can help you relate to somebody and say, neighbor, uh, God had a plan for me. <laughs> Even while you were out there messing up big time, God had a plan. Though you were out there planning your own destruction, God had a plan. Though you were out there about losing your mind, God had a plan. Though you didn't know how you were going to make it and would try to do everything to destroy yourself and somebody else, God had a plan. Though someone thought that you would never amount to anything, God had a plan. Though you might have thought of yourself, how can I ever make it? But God had a plan. And because of God's plan, I'm here. You might have planned otherwise. But when God has a plan for your life, I don't care who plans against it. Nobody can defeat God's plan. Nobody can stop God's plan. Nobody can block God's purpose when God has a plan. For your life. Paul says, it's a privilege. I was chosen to explain to everybody the mystery of the plan of God. Lord, have mercy. When I went through and I was reading this again, I had to go slow. Because sometimes we read so fast, we miss the full colorization of the word of God speaking to us. So I had to go slow and stop. Even with one word, privilege, I was chosen. I was chosen. I was chosen. Woo. Sometimes I don't think we're allowed to sit in how blessed we really are. But Paul can write and say, I was chosen. Lord knows I was chosen. Oh, I, I, I should have been disqualified. After all that I did, all that I said, all that I thought, I should have never qualified. But in spite of all the mess that I did, I was chosen. Lord, I had to stop there myself. 
Because I got to consider something that had it not been for the grace of God, I would not be where I am right now. God made a way. God opened a door. God showed a way. God did it. God did it. God did it. I'm chosen. And you sitting in here right now, that's why whenever we come into the house of the Lord, we ought to give God praise because somehow God chose us. God said, I chose you to be a part of my body. He chose me and he gave me a privilege. Sometimes we're so ungrateful because we don't realize how blessed we are. How God, through his infinite wisdom and love for us, in spite of us, saw in us something that we could not even see in ourselves. God reached in to that which was filthy and dirty and rotten. And he risked the smell of our right rottenness to rescue us from our rottenness to bless us. That is a wonderful gift of God. I was chosen. Your dirty, smelly self, God chose you. Your rotten, spoiled self, God chose you. You terrible, acting self, God chose you. No one else wanted you. God. God chose you. Don't let anybody point their finger at you. And tell you what you don't deserve. So I don't care what you say. I don't deserve. God chose me. Woo. An undeserved privilege. I don't know about anybody else, but I can get happy. Just thinking a long time. Of thinking that I'm chosen, that I'm privileged, and that God has given me something that I did not deserve. In a world like this, that doesn't want to give you anything but grief, I'm so grateful that God doesn't look upon me based on what I've done or all of the evil that's happened in my life. That God said, I see better in you than anyone else sees. Let me. Uh, I'm talking about the perfect peace of God. And he said now, we read in a word, that not as the world gives you do I give this to you. For the world gives you based on merit. The world gives you based on what you deserve. The world gives you 
based on if they like you or not. The word, the world gives you based on the fact, well, I'm looking at his record. And his record doesn't say he deserves this. His record says he ought to be locked up for life. His record says he has nothing that would qualify or merit him anything. But it's not on the basis of your record. God has another view of you that is not recorded in the record. But it's rather in his purpose. And in his purpose, he can see in you what has not yet come out of you yet. That's one thing I like about the Lord. He sees us becoming what we ought to be in him. Before what is ought to be has not even started to be yet. He can see in the rawness of me, the perfection of me, while I'm yet raw. That's why you can't turn your nose up at anybody. That's why you can't turn down and look at somebody cross-eyed. They may not look like you want them to look. They may not have been what you want them to be. But God sees something coming out of their life because God's got a plan. Satan tried to mess up God's plan. But you can't mess up what God has purposed. When your life is purpose, God can work through his purpose to bring about that which he desires to be revealed from your life. And God uses the church. That's why we got to be careful that we as a church don't become so high-minded so utterly righteous, so judgmental that we look down on the imperfect and don't even want to have the imperfect sitting in our perfect church because somehow we feel the imperfect will spoil the sanctification of our perfect church. Let me say something to you. If it were not for Jesus, if it were not for the grace of God, I don't care how perfect we may think we are, we would be as filthy rags before him because he sees us as we are. And once again, he doesn't see just what comes out of your mouth in public. He sees what's coming out of your head in your private thought. But in spite of what you're thinking, God's got a better thought. God's got a better idea. God knows and I see you better than where you are right now. Tell your neighbor, God sees the better in you. You may be feeling like you are nothing. 
telling somebody right now, God sees the better in you. I don't care what that person is telling you, how bad you are, how rotten you are, how you never will make it. I don't care. Stop that nonsense. Tell him God sees better in me. I don't see it myself, but I'm believing to see. The better. So, Paul writes in the second chapter, and again, uh, we're beginning to see as he speaks how God views things. Uh, he doesn't view them like we do. He sees them for an eye of correction. He looks and sees what can become before it becomes he sees it becoming and while it is yet becoming he already can rejoice in what will become because though it is not come yet it is still in process of becoming and though you may not appear what you are to be yet he knows that you are becoming what you are to be. That's why one can say, beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be because we're still becoming. So God used the church. And that's why I say, church, we got to be careful that we don't destroy that which is in the process of becoming. Uh, let me speak that word again. We've got to be careful that we don't discourage that which is barely hanging on to the glimmer of hope and light that is appearing unto them. We've got to be very careful. That as a church, we don't put a finger of condemnation on something that is not quite there yet, but they're still yet becoming. If God would look back at some of you where y'all came from, the church would have never allowed you in the door. They would have got the deacons, the stewards, and everybody else. Take them out of here. Before they could see the end result. But look at you now. Thank God that somebody didn't put you out of the church before God was finished with you. <laughs> I remember James Cleveland wrote a song. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. And in his old base, please. <laughs> he tell them God is through with me yet. Mm, he said, when God gets through with me, God gets through. <clears throat> 
shall come forth. I shall come forth. Pure gold. What? When God gets through with me. He's not finished yet. But you just wait and see. God's not through with me yet. He's still working. That's another sub-message that can come out of that. Just wait and see. God's not finished with me yet. But you wait and see. When he gets through with me. I may look ugly and messed up now. But I shall come forth as pure gold. Somebody say yeah, yeah. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. When God gets through with me. When God gets through with me. When God gets through with me. I shall come forth. I shall come forth. I shall come forth. As what? I shall come forth as pure gold. I know you. I think somebody's thinking about it right now. Somebody's just reflecting on it right now. Somebody's just getting it right now. Said, I don't know how I got as far as I got, but God somehow found me. He brought me. He washed me. He cleaned me. He caused me to come forth out of my mess into his holiness it is by the grace of God someone who is thinking about me 
it, it came to me and I, I noted it down somewhere in the rest of these notes. Notes always get lost somewhere whenever, whenever the Lord starts walking in there. And I, I, I had something, and, I, and I, this little thought came and I wrote it down. It says, I am a product of God's redemptive thought. I am a product of God's redemptive thought. I thank God that he thought out of me. The very best in me and the best of you. And we're sitting here today. Because somewhere God thought us into life. God brought us out. And not only has he brought us out. But he brought us in. This is communion Sunday. And I thought about it. Says Lord what? And he says communion is uh, about community. It's about the drawing together of the many into the unity of the one. It is about us discovering that we are connected through and of and by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is he who has brought us in. Mentioned in the text, he is the corner of this restructured and repurposed body. Because we are the products of it, God is able to do anything but fail. You may be watching and those of you sitting in here right now. I already stated last Sunday uh, we were dealing with the fact, you know, here we are thinking that we're following the plan of God and doing everything that is right. And all of a sudden a storm arises in what should be a peaceful time. And I stated even this year, I, I, I knew it. I said, when you declare peace, boy, you can expect a little something of everything. Because when you make the proclamation of peace, war is about ready to be called over your life. But I'm reminding somebody here today that he has caused, called, and purposed us. And no matter how difficult the moment you're going through right now, and God knows it, I'm here to tell somebody he has called and purposed us to be one, a blended body. A body working together. We are different, we are diverse. But understand, God knows how to work with diversity. It is in the expression that exists out there, which I saw the other night, too, on a platform I was watching somewhere, and it had the thing that said, E plutibus unum. Of many, one. And so the Lord knows how to, in his church, out of the many, to make one. He stated it in even, even himself. He says, my prayer for you is that you be 
And that one is not just one in terms of doctrinal statement. We believe in one God. That is, call us apostolic oneness. But I want you to understand, all souls belong to the Lord. I don't care how we segregate ourselves, separate ourselves from the others. The others are still God's people. That's why I say for the church, we have to listen very carefully and examine what it is that we're saying and place it alongside of the actions and the words of Jesus who found himself amongst a crowd of diverse others, even those who those thought were not worthy collectors prostitutes cheaters liars betrayers Lord you need another personnel director You need somebody else in your department that deals with hiring people. Some of those folk you chose. If you had a good personnel director, they would have told you not this one. But Jesus does not look at the record of who you are or had become. But he's looking at what you can yet become. That's why as a church, as I speak to us today, talk about this perfect peace. It is a peace that also deals with the pieces. Uh, I'll talk about that in one of the other messages that are coming up. And I deal with the broken pieces. And understand how God knows how to deal with those of us who are broken. And those in your life who are broken. Don't throw them away just because they're broken. Try to understand, Lord. Give me the grace to know how. If I can't fix them to be patient long enough for you to fix them. So when we come to this table, we're reminded of the brokenness of Jesus Christ who allowed his body to be broken so that through his broken body we could find ourselves made whole. For I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. I've come to redeem you. I've come to restore you. 
I've come to take the broken pieces of you and put you back together again. Story of the potter. Vessel broke. But Jesus picked up the pieces of my broken He made me a new vessel. And this is the most important piece we'll get to. And he revived my soul again. Will you stand with me, everybody, at this moment before we come? Jesus. You, God, have a plan for each of our lives. And though at times we think that that plan is obsolete and is no longer possible based on everything that we have done contrary to its fulfillment. But God, you know how to work with the broken things. You know how to work with those who, as he stated in this text, were estranged and alienated. You know how to draw them all in. And that in the midst of the divisiveness, you're able to again repair Fix and make whole again. Lord, I pray right now, as we're standing in here, there may be somebody who is so broken in themselves right now that they don't know if they'll ever be able to be fixed again. But God, the church, has been left here for that sole purpose of making sure that the broken lives find a place that they can be repaired again and made whole. Do it for us right now, we pray, Jesus. And help us never forget that your plan for us is a plan that no one can stop. When you've purposed it, Lord, it shall and it will come to pass in the name of Jesus Christ and we give your name the praise and the thanks right now. Will you give God praise in this house for his goodness? <laughs>